Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. In Bibles, if you'll turn to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 14, I believe, is where we'll kick it off this morning. We're studying prosperity, responding to the covenant we have in Christ. The Bible says that Jesus was made poverty for us so that we through him might be abundantly supplied. In the Bible, there are over 2,000 scriptures that deal with giving and receiving. Everybody say giving and receiving. That should also always be a part of your, uh, your, your, your repertoire when you're speaking about uh, offerings and finances at the church that you go to. If you come to Island Church, which I know all of you do, praise God. But you're, you should always talk about, well, you know, they're always taking offerings. We're always giving. You, know, you should always say this. We're always giving and receiving. Right. We're always giving and receiving. And, uh, you know, in the Word of God, obviously, by everything that He put into the Word, and then by the examples that we see in the Word of God, how God has prospered His, his servants, first of all, the nation of Israel, because they did. They prospered greatly. I mean, I mean, God just took all the wealth of Egypt and put it in their hands in one day. I mean, it's amazing how God can bring wealth transfers into your life. Amen? And then God, as long as they served God, as long as they uh, uh, obeyed, for them it was law. Everybody say law. But for us it's a grace. Amen? For us it's a grace that comes on our life and it empowers us to obey the Word of God. And that's one of the things we've got to recognize. In every doctrine of the Word of God, uh, prosperity especially, we have to obey what the Word says. We don't make up what we want to do and expect God to bless us because of our idea. No, we go see what the thoughts of God are and we obey the thoughts of God from the Word of God. Now, the book of Genesis is a unique book because God is establishing laws in that book that are eternal, that, 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 that last forever. Amen? I mean, his laws of seed time and harvest, laws of, laws of all the laws of uh, things like uh, uh, who you are, a man or a woman. He either makes you male or female. Should be no confusion there. Amen? All the other things that God put into, into operation, even though there was the fall of man, even though sin entered in, God still was protecting and looking for those that would respond to his word especially those that had a heart to establish the covenant that God wanted established on the earth that would bring forth Jesus, the Messiah, who would break the back of poverty over anybody that would trust Him as Lord and Savior. Amen? Now, in Genesis chapter 14, we have a story of a man called Abram, and I, I think it's unique. Abram was the man that God began to deal with after the flood, after Noah you know, was kind of God's man that God used to preserve the human family uh, because of the flood, which was the judgment of God in which God just wiped out everyone upon the earth because of the sin, the wickedness, and the violence that was on the earth. Then God began to look. Now, I don't know if he was speaking to a lot of people, but I know that one man responded. His name was Abram. Now, in God's dealing with Abram, promises were made. But understand this, also in God's dealing with Abram, there's also a pattern that has been set that can be used in just about any interaction between people or between people and God. That is, number one, an initiation of communication. God spoke to Abraham, and here's what's miraculous about that. Abraham heard it, or Abram heard it. I tell you, that's the main blessing of Abraham that we receive through salvation is when God speaks, we hear it. You say, well, I've never heard the voice of God. Well, get saved and you'll hear it. Amen. Everybody that's born again can hear the voice of God. Jesus said, my sheep might know my voice. Another, they're not going to follow. 
Amen. Now, here's the thing. Out of that communication, they begin to fellowship together. In that fellowship, God began to make certain promises to Abram because Abram needed a certain event to happen. He needed a child. He needed a male child in his family so that he could continue the lineage of his family on on the earth. But here's the thing. God had a bigger plan. I said God had a bigger plan. And no matter who you think you are this morning, and no matter what you think God's plan may be for you, I've got good news. God has a bigger plan for you. I said God has a bigger plan for you. And if you'll do everything you can do to discover it and implement it, you'll go from that initiation and communication to that fellowship because out of that fellowship comes relationship. Out of that relationship comes the covenant of God. And that's what you want in manifestation is God's covenant because that's what Jesus died for you to have was the covenant of God. Listen, God wants to bless you in your job. God wants to bless your business. He wants to bless your investments. He wants to put his hand on everything that you have that is material in nature so that God's glory and his, the manifestation of that glory can be seen in your life. Not to just people, I think they're a good person. They may be a Christian. That people see your life and think, man, these people, how in the world are they so blessed? Well, your testimony would be, it's the Lord that has blessed me. Now, there had been an attack made. Several kings had gotten together, formed a conspiracy against the two cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. They brought an attack against it and basically raised the city and, 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 and didn't destroy it, but they took a lot of people and a lot of material things and they escaped after, after the attack on Sodom and Gomorrah. But the problem with that is, is it stirred up Abram because Abram had a, had a relative, had a loved one that was there. Right. So he had about 300, oh, I don't know, 300 odd, odd men that he had trained his servants. So they went out and they took the fight to those guys and they took it back. Everybody say, take it back. Yeah. Now let me just say something. If the enemy has stolen anything, anything from you financially, you need to take it back. Yeah. Amen. I, I need to get a better amen than that. Listen, if the enemy has taken anything, if he's come to steal, kill, and destroy in your financial life, you need to make a decision. I'm going to take that back in Jesus' name. I'm going to agree. I'm going to pray. I'm going to sow. I'm going to tithe. I'm going to offer unto God. And I'm going to let God get his hands fully into my finances. And everything the devil stole from me, I'm going to get it back with spoil in Jesus' name. All throughout the Old Covenant, we see the enemy robbing Israel and Israel going back and raising the enemy and destroying them and bringing spoil back into the nation. That's exactly what happened with Abram. Now, Abram comes back after that victory. Let me, let me pick it up here in, let's see, we're in chapter 14. Let's go to verse, uh, go to verse, uh, let me find it here. Verse 18 says, now he's came back and it says, And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine. Everybody say, bread and wine. And he was the priest of the Most High God. Now, people have asked me many times over this, who was Melchizedek? Well, it says right here, he's the priest of the Most High God. It's what he was. Now, I don't know everything about him. He was a very unusual person. The Bible said he had no beginning, no end, which means he was a spirit being that somehow took a place as an entity here on the earth, and that entity upon the earth, he was the priest of the Most High God, which means he was a, a go-between, an intermediary, an intercessor between whoever it was was trying to get to God and God. And he was the king of Salem, or you can say it like this, he was the king of Jerusalem, which always has been, does anybody know what Jerusalem is? The city of God. 
It's always been the city of God. So he's the priest of God from the city of God. And he hears of this man who has gotten into a blood covenant with, with God, Abram. And he heard that Abram had a great victory. So he went out to bless him. And what did he have with him? He had bread and he had wine. Bread, a type of the word of God, and wine, a type of the spirit of God. So he was the one that was supplying bread and wine to Abram. Is everybody with me? Yeah. Amen. And this is what he said. And he said, and he blessed him and he said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hands. And the and there is, referring back to Abraham, Abraham gave him tithes of all. Everybody say tithes. Now this is the first time in the Bible where we see the word tithe. Everybody say tithe. Now, that's been one of the most controversial subjects in the church where people have like, well, pastor, I, I don't know about tithing. I, I've heard it's, it's under the law. Let me, let me help you. Tithing was in the beginning. Everybody say in the beginning. It was under the law. Everybody say under the law. And it abides under grace. Everybody say abides under grace. That means in this dispensation, Tithing is not like it was under the law where a demand was put upon you to tithe. Tithing is a grace or it is a choice that you make to obey God. But let me just say something about tithing. There is something about tithing that really turns God on. I'm, I, in my life, I remember when I first began to hear the doctrine of tithing, I'd heard it mentioned as a child growing up. Uh, I, I'd heard it, you know, the, we're going to receive tithes and offerings. I really didn't have much revelation. When I went to Bible school in 1984, Pastor John Osteen began to teach us on tithing, what it meant, how it operated. He began to give examples of businesses there at Lakewood Church that had, had started with nothing and now were multi-million dollar businesses. And he began to talk about how the men and women of the church had tithed and how God had blessed them. And I began to hear about this and I began to, first thing we always do is we do the math. Everybody say the math. And the math of tithing does not relate to human math because you can make $1,000 a week at your job and, you know, Uncle Sam's going to get his part and, and then you got bills to pay and, and you think, well, if I go and give $100 out of that $1,000, I'm only going to have a $900 to pay bills with and Uncle Sam's going to take his $250. So that brings it down to $650 and I have $700 worth of bills. Here's the reality of tithing. You can pay $700 or $800 or $900 worth of bills with only four or $500 if you tithe. People say, now you can't do that. That doesn't add up. That's because you're using the world's math. Tithing is supernatural. There's something about 10% of your income. If you willingly give it to God as a tithe, God goes, that's cool. I really like that. So I'm going to provide bread and wine for you, the Word of God, a revelation from the Word of God, and I'm going to provide the anointing of the Holy Ghost, and I'm going to get involved in your finances because you are saying to me, you believe enough in God to give me 10% of the income. Therefore, I believe enough in you that I'm going to put my hand into your life and bless you mightily. Now, a couple of, couple of stories, and then we'll move down the road with this. The first one is... I never dealt with, with tithing in really much as a field minister or a teacher or teaching evangelist. 
because I, I pretty much gave that, you know, the pastor should do that. That's the, something the pastor should teach the church. And I was uh, holding a particular meeting for a, for a church one time and the pastor told me, he said, I'm telling you, man, I, he said, I got people in my church, got businesses, they make a lot of money. I said, nobody, nobody, hardly nobody in my church tithes. So I looked at him, I said, do you tithe? He goes, no. I said, well, you wonder why nobody in your church tithes. He says, you mean I'm supposed to tithe as a pastor, as a minister? I said, absolutely. Do you get a salary? He said, yeah, I get a salary. So I preached in his church on a Sunday morning. He asked me to come preach on tithe, and I preached in his church and gave an altar call, and there must have been 60 or 70 people that came up and, and literally said, I hadn't been tithing, but I'm going to ask God to forgive me, and I'm going to start tithing. And that church paid off its building and became incredibly blessed financially because they made a decision to obey God. Tithing opens the door for the supernatural in your finances. I mean, you can talk yourself out of it. You can reject it. But I never get, listen, I never get upset at people that don't tithe because it takes faith for you to give 10% of your income into the church and realize that's not planting a seed. A lot of people think, well, if I tithe, I'm going to plant that seed. No, you're not. You're, uh, you're ensuring that the seed you plant is going to come up. The tithe does that. It prepares the soil, soil so the seed can be planted. I'll show you that in just a minute. Secondly, having dealt as a pastor, and I remember about a half a dozen people, that it, it, they would come to our office, the, their life would be just, just shattered. Financial problems, marital problems, physical problems, hard to keep a job. Everything they put their hand to got destroyed. So I, they would talk and I would try to be pastoral and, and try to talk to them. And then the, eventually I would ask them this question. Do you tithe? And without exception, I would get a very angry response and an immediate departure from the church. Never saw them again. Now, obviously they didn't. And obviously the bitter fruit of not tithing was in their life. Walked into a green room. Anybody know what a green room is? Most churches have what they call a green room where they, they when they host pastors or do a camp meeting or a conference or something, that's where the, the preachers kind of hang out. Walked into a green room one time and I looked over in the corner and there stood a man named Brother Kenneth Copeland. And I don't know what your opinion of Brother Kenneth Copeland is, but I know one thing. God used him to bring a powerful revelation of, of financial prosperity uh, to the body of Christ. Anyway, he stood over the course by himself. The whole room was full of preachers. So I thought, well, I'll go talk to Brother Copeland. That's kind of the way I am. So I walked over there, and I met him in a previous meeting we'd been in. And I walked up and greeted him. How you doing, Brother Copeland? Hey, how you doing, Rusty? And then all of a sudden, the Spirit of God came on him. And he grabbed me by the lapels of my coat. And he pulled me up into his face. And he hollered at me. Spit all over my face. I'm kind of going, whoa. And this is what he said. He said, Rusty, he said, if you tithe, there's nothing that God can't do for you. But if you don't tithe, there's nothing that God can do for you. And I said, Brother Copeland, I'm tither. I tithe. I give, I give double tithe off the offerings I give when I tithe. He said, good, don't ever stop. I said, I won't. Now, here's something you must understand about Lee and I. We would never get in this pulpit and teach or preach anything we have not proved out positively, this works. Now let me tell you, church, this works. And not just having the devout rebuke, we'll look at that in Malachi in just a second, but if you'll study this portion of Scripture, 
You go over a couple of chapters and look at, look at Jacob when he, when he claimed, I'm going to give tithes 10% of everything that I have. Right after that, God began a process of communicating and communicating. They began to get dreams. They began to get visions. Abraham was very frustrated. Isaac had not been conceived or born. And God began to give his word. He began to give him promises like, look at all the sand of the desert. So shall your seed be as innumerable as the sand. Look at all the stars of the sky. So shall your seed be as innumerable as the stars of the sky. And literally that fellowship that Abraham had or Abram had went to a level of relationship and covenant because of the 10% that Abram gave to Melchizedek. Amen. Amen. Now see, people many times say, you know, you develop a t- uh, uh, an opinion. Remember what we said, we're not going to be religiously brainwashed. We're going to be New Testament taught. People say, well, pastor, you're talking, you're reading Old Testament scriptures, but always remember the Bible All the promises of God are in Him. Yea, in Him. Amen. To the glory of God by us. If you make a decision, I hear what you're saying. I'm not going to tithe. I don't believe in it. That's fine. You're not going to go to hell over that. But here's the problem. All of the blessing that tithing affords you will not be in your life. And that one key, the devourer being rebuked, Let me tell you, the devourer will come after you. He'll come after your finances. He'll come after your health. He'll come after your children. He'll come after everything in your life. I've watched it for 37 years, not in our lives, but in the lives of other people. And it's grieved my heart because we've tried to teach them the word and show them. But many times the enemy, I'm telling you, you get on the internet, you start digging around and you'll find ministry after ministry. I listened to one one time and he went on and on about how, how you know, brother, brother Copeland's of the devil and Joel Osteen's of the devil and, and old Roberts was of the devil. And, and, you know, and then at the end of his program, he spends 15 minutes trying to raise money. After tearing up all the guys that had the revelation... Dr. Oral Roberts, seed time and harvest, seed time and harvest, seed time and harvest. I rode with him in the car many times. He would tell me, Rusty, make sure you tithe and sow that seed. Sow in faith. Believe God. And that's one of the things Lee and I claimed when we couldn't have children. We said, God, we claim the blessing of the tithe. You said our seed would be blessed. Now, quickly, go all the way to Malachi. How's my time? Oh, I'm about up. Go to Malachi chapter 3. I'm going to read it in the King James here. Then I want to read I brought my, my message Bible. It's the one that sits by my, the one I read in my house. Malachi chapter 3. Now I'm going to start in verse 7 because if you do a study of Malachi, Malachi is an invitation to come back. Come back to God. Come back to God. Israel was destroyed. Israel had been inhabited by by nation after nation. They'd been hauled off into slavery. All of the wealth of the temple had been just, just, just destroyed. And they had nothing that God had blessed their ancestors with. And God was saying, I want to restore you. I want to bless you. I want to restore you. Now pick it up there in verse 7. Listen to what it says. Verse 7 says, even from the days of the Father, you are going away from my ordinances. You've left the word and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But you said, wherein shall we return? Now, that's a question. Wherein shall we return? Now, notice this. Here's the answer. Will a man rob God? Now, think about that for a moment. 
<laughs> How do you rob the creator of the universe? I mean, are you going to get on the internet and pull some kind of technical scam on him? <laughs> Robbing God is a unique concept. But you can rob God of what? Of his ability coming into your life. You can rob him of his ability to bless you. His ability to give you insights, concepts, ideas. You can rob him of his ability to protect you financially. Lee and I, for years when we traveled, we would pray over our home. We would pray over our vehicles. We would pray over everything that concerns us. And we would always, Father, in the name of Jesus, we are tithers. We claim the tithe. Our home will not burn down. Our home will not be broken into. Listen, I traveled 20-something years and never had a flat tire. Never had one flat tire. Well, pastor, that's just a coincidence. No, it's not a coincidence. It is the blessing of the tithe. The devourer is rebuked off of my life. Amen? Amen? Now notice what, notice what it says here. Well, a man robbed God. What a question. Yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein have you robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord. Lord of hosts, if I will not, now notice this, open you the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough for you to receive it. I will rebuke, who will? I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. He shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before its time in the field. Now notice the first thing. I'm going to do what? Open up the windows of heaven. Those same windows, it's only mentioned one other time in the Old Testament, and that's when God opened the windows of heaven and poured a flooding rain down upon the earth. The earth had never had rain up until Noah's day, and when God flooded the earth, He opened the windows of heaven, and the only other time that phrase has been used is right here. He said, I'm going to open the windows of heaven and pour you out what? Pour you out what? Pour you out what? Not a house? Not a car? Not a big bank account? No, He's going to pour you out the ability to get a car to get a house, to get a big bank. He's going to give you an empowerment that you can't get from an education. You can't get from a business. You can't get from a job. You can't get from the government. He's going to give you a heavenly empowerment that's going to help you get wealth, help you handle wealth, and help wealth to increase in your life. He said he's going to what? Trickle it? What was the term back in the 90s? Trickle down economics? No, he said he's going to pour it out. Everybody say pour it out. Now listen, I'm teaching on this. There's a purpose in this teaching. You say, what is it? We are, entering, we are entering into some perilous times financially as a city, a county, a state, as a nation, and the world. There are all kinds of things that are being purposely initiated to bring a greater control of the world system over your finances. But the good news is, you've got another economy in your life called the kingdom economy. And I'm going to tell you, this world system is failing, will fail. 
They're fixing to print another $2 trillion of American dollars. They're fixing to do all this spending, all this taxing, thinking somehow if we throw money at problems, everything's going to be all right. It never has. It never will be. That's not the answer. Jesus is the answer. But in the meantime, the church is going to have to be blessed. It's going to have to be prospered. And the devourer must be rebuked off of your life. Now notice what it says. I'm going to open the windows of heaven. Everybody say, windows of heaven. And I'm going to pour you out a blessing. Now notice this. That there shall not be room enough to receive it. Now I've heard people say, well, Pastor, I tell you what, I've been tithing for years and I, I've never had so much happen to me that there's not room enough for me to receive it. I can put more in my bank. I can go buy a bank if I need to. That's not what it's talking about. This is talking about you being blessed all the days of your life and you not being able to live enough days on the earth. Your blessing will go to your children, to your children's children, and for four generations down through your lineage, God says, I will bless them, I will keep them. Abram tithed and his son Isaac got into a situation where there was a famine and a drought and the Bible says God told him don't go to Egypt where they're learning how to irrigate and raise crops even though there is a, even though there is a drought. Stay here in Cana. I will bless you. The Bible says Isaac sowed in that season and received a hundredfold of that which he sowed. Why did he receive a hundredfold? Because daddy was a tither. Because daddy was a tither. I ought to get a better amen than that. Because daddy was a tither. When Isaac sowed his seed, it came. Could you imagine what that looked like when everybody's crops around him from hundreds of miles had failed and the drought had in? And then there's this one green, beautiful field in which all the fruit was set, all the corn was set. Everything was just beautiful. People go, how that happened? How that happened? And Isaac just said, well, I tell you, it's Jehovah Jireh. He's my provider. Amen. Same thing God's wanting to do for us today. It says, I'll pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I shall rebuke the devourer. What does the word devourer mean? It means seed destroyer. You talk about something to pray over your children. Some of you that your children are a little older and maybe not serving God the way they should, but you've been tithing your whole life, all your Christian life, and you believe God, you ought to claim this over that. Say, man, that's my seed. Devil, you're not going to steal my seed. My daughter's going to serve God. My son's going to serve God. They're going to be with me in church. They're going to be worshiping God next to me. I claim the blessing of the tithe over my children. Devour, you're not going to steal my children in Jesus' name. See, it has a whole lot more to do than just your finances. Do it over your health. Lord, I'm a tither. I'm not falling for this COVID thing. I'm not falling for this cancer thing. I'm not falling for this tuberculosis. I'm not falling for diabetes thing. I'm a tither. The devourer is rebuked off of me. In the name of Jesus, devil, get your hands off me. Now, if you don't tithe, you can't do that. You don't have the right to do it. But if you do tithe, you do have the right to do that. In your business, if you struggle in your business, say, Lord, I tell you, I, I, you gave me this business and, and I seem to be struggling. Well, I guarantee you, you start tithing out of that business. Years ago, we taught a I did a series on how to tithe out of a business. It's really very simple. It takes a certain amount of money to make money. Did you know that? It takes a certain amount of money to make money. But when the money you invest makes money, tithe off of it. It's that easy. 
if you want the devour rebuked off of your business, that's what you do. I tithe on the church, but I don't do it that way. I don't wait till all the bills paid. I tithe off every dime that comes into this church. I tithe off every dime that comes in to Lee and I's life. And the devourer has been rebuked. Listen, we haven't built that building yet, but we got seed in the field and the devourer is rebuked. And I guarantee you, you hide and watch, that building will go up, that building will be a blessing, and that building will be a testimony to the tithe that even time itself cannot stop the will of God. Ought to get a better amen. I hope this is helping somebody. Open the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. He shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. That means what you invest into is going to pay off. What you, what you invest your life into is going to pay off. That's the fruits of your grounds. Amen. Let me find it here. I rebuke the devourer for your sake. He shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither, now this is a good one. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field. Now this is a timing promise, a timing blessing. You say, what do you mean by that? You know, you need the right amount of money, but you need it at the right time. Farmers can tell you this, that, that deal with the weather. This is a strange phenomenon for us here in southeast Texas to have, you know, uh, 45, 50 degree temperatures uh, this late into April. Amen. Now, up north in the Midwest, especially, uh, I know the wheat farmers deal with this. They'll, they'll put a crop in the ground in late March. And sometimes they'll get an odd uh, spring, what they call an early spring freeze in April. And it'll happen when those shoots of wheat have just come out of the ground and they're real tender and they're real subject to freeze. And those things cast themselves, the freeze comes and destroys them. They miss the timing. They miss the timing. But I guarantee you, if you tithe, then God will give you specific time. Now listen, you need to sow this during this. You need to sow this. You need to do it now. I mean, God spoke to me one time about one of the largest gifts we gave as a field ministry. And he, he really brought it down to the last day and said, now if you don't obey me, forget it. And I'm like... I was actually up preaching when he said that to me. I don't know what the co congregation thought. It was on a Monday morning in a day meeting. I got down off the platform. I told the, uh, told the pastor, where's your office? Can I use your phone? And I went and called Leah at our ministry office, told her how much to give, told her how much to give it to, and we planted a seed of faith, and God responded, and I guarantee you the blessings of God flowed in our ministry for years after that. That was the timing of God. Listen, there are times in which God says, do it and do it now. And that blessing of the tithe ensures that when that crop starts to come up, there's not going to be some financial disaster. Have you ever had something, you got a windfall? Some money came into your life, maybe unexpected through an inheritance or an investment or just some surprise money came into your life. And here it is and you're thinking well, everything you can do with it. And, and as you're thinking that, you're thinking, man, I can, I can, we could go on vacation, we could do this, you could do that. And then the, the car breaks down and the, and the cat has to go to the vet. You know how vets are. Good Lord, have mercy. <laughs> they're rich. They're so rich on our dogs and cats. Amen. <laughs> we're, mess, we're messing with Doc. Amen. But, uh, you know, I mean, you know, the cat has to have whatever it has to have and the dog has to have what it And next thing you know, you know, the air conditioner goes out and the refrigerator goes down and, and that whole windfall gets devoured. Now, I'm sure that's never happened to anybody in here. Amen. God wants you to know that if you're a tither, 
I'm going to watch, and when I send a windfall into your life, that windfall is going to be your harvest. It's not going to be your seed. It's going to be your bread. What do you want? Where do you want to go? How do you want to spend? I'm telling you, I've had God do me before, and I say, well, Lord, this is your money. And he would say this to me, no, it's not. It's your money. Do what you want to with it. Well, I was no fool. <laughs> Amen. I did what I wanted to. I tithed on it. I offered on it, sowed with it, and then I went and did what I wanted to. Listen, we've traveled all over the world. We've handled millions and millions of dollars. We've spent millions and millions. We haven't saved it up somewhere. We can tell everybody we're multimillionaires, have all this money. We've never done that. We've given it to the world. We've gone to the world with it. We still go to the world now with it because we know money's a tool. It is our servant and not our master. Now, in closing, let me read, let me read it in. Let me read it in this, this good message Bible. Let me find it here. Whoop, let me go the right one. Malachi chapter 3. Verse 7 again. I am God. Yes, I am. I haven't changed. And because I haven't changed, you, the descendants of Jacob, haven't been destroyed. You have a long history of ignoring my commands. You haven't done a thing I've told you to. Return to me so I can return to you, says God of the angel armies. You ask, but how do we return? By being honest. Do honest people rob God? But you rob me day after day. You ask, how have, you, how have we robbed you? The tithe, the offering, that's how. And you're under a curse, the whole lot of you, because you're robbing me. Bring your full tithe to the temple treasury so there'll be ample provision in my temple. Test me in this and see if I do not open up heaven itself and pour you out blessing beyond your wildest dreams. For my part, I will defend you against marauders. I'll protect your wheat field and vegetable gardens against plunders. The message of God and the God of the angel armies, you'll be the happiest nation. You'll experience what it's like to be a country of grace. God says so. Wow. Now let me close by saying this. I don't look at offerings around here. I just, I, they send me the total after they count everything. I get things at the end of the year. Sometimes I look at who gives what. I never look very close at it because I don't let that influence me in any way. I want to be able to minister to everyone equally. But your life will tell off on you. I said your life will tell off on you. And the thing is, God wants your life to be blessed financially. And as far as having the best, living in the best, wearing the that's up to you. That's up to you. I flew enough in the coach class cattle car to believe God to fly first class, which is the difference between a $900 ticket and a $10,000 ticket. But I've flown, I've, flown, I've flown first class everywhere I've gone for the last 25 years. You say, why? Because I know how to believe God. Amen? I'm going to tell you a funny story. <laughs> we were doing a crusade in Hawaii, and we got a first-class ticket so that, you know, you bring 30 people, they'll give you first. So, I, so of course, I took it. You know, I'm the big cheese, so I'm going to take the first-class ticket. Breland was little. So we were about, what, maybe three or four hours from Hawaii. So I'm laying back in my first-class seat, recliner, I had just eaten my steak, my baked potato, and just finished off my chocolate sundae. 
And so here I look up and there's Leah and Breland standing there. And so Leah starts talking to me. I'm talking to Breland. And so here comes the stewardess and she walks up and she goes, now, ma'am, you and the little girl are going to have to leave because you're, in, you're violating the integrity of first class. So Leah looked at me. You know what I did? I leaned back in my chair and went like this. That still makes her face red. I was just messing with her, amen. But we've seen God's blessing in incredible ways in our life. One thing we said, remember last week when we taught on the blessing of God out of Joshua 1.8, you'll make your way prosperous. You will have good success. One thing about good success, you're always willing to share it. We've paid for tickets, even first class tickets for people to fly all over the world. We've sent people from this church all over the world. We bless people. We help people because God puts that money in your hand as a tool. And if you want more finances in your life. You can't come up with a plan in your mind and say, this is how I'm going to respond to God financially. It will not work because it's your plan. But if you will adhere to God's plan, which begins with tithing, and we did tithing so we could do giving next week, the planting of your seed, which needs to be something that you do specifically. Lee and I have planted specific thing, uh, specific seed for specific things our whole life. And God has always done exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever ask or think. From the homes we've lived in to the places we've traveled to to the things we've been able to do, it's amazing how God will bless you. And He will bless you to be a blessing. But here's the thing. There's an adversary out there. And he has a financial system upon this world. And he'll do everything he can do to resist you financially, to harm you financially. But you have the authority in the name of Jesus. You have the power of the Word. And you have your own human will in which you can make a decision to obey God. And I'm not up here saying, you have to tithe. Yeah, I'm saying, if you make the choice to tithe, if you make the choice to tithe your personal income, if you're a business owner, if you make the choice to tithe your business, if you make that choice, you have the right to use your authority and claim that promise. And to say to the, to the devourer, you are rebuked. God says you are rebuked. God said he will rebuke you, so I call you rebuke. Get your hands off my finances, my health, my children. Get your hands off my life in Jesus' name. Lee and I began to practice that years ago. And because of that, God has tremendously blessed us. And it is, life is wonderful when you know no matter what happens to the stock market, no matter what happens to the dollar, the price of oil or gold, or no matter what happens to Island Church, God's going to take care of us because we are His covenant children. And I guarantee you He'll do the same for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, as is our tradition, we claim the blessing of the tithe and Psalms 91. Working in tandem together, the devourer is rebuked. No evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. Therefore, we declare, however we travel, highways, airways, seaways, railways, and as we handle the righteous resource you've placed in our hand, 
Thank you that we're not subject to trauma, to terror, to evil plans of wicked men. So much out there that's planned by the devil, carried out by those that would serve him. Thank you, Father. It will not come nigh us in any way in Jesus' name. We push back against terrorism. We push back against things that would try to separate men and women one from another. We walk in the love of God, not only toward each other, but toward the world as we reach them with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that that fire and stirring of evangelism in us will open a door of utterance that each and every one of us will boldly be able to proclaim the gospel by being an answer to somebody's prayer, a miracle in someone's life, a problem to the devil, and a blessing to people. Lord, we leave today walking in faith and love towards you. We leave today walking in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord. Here at Island Church, we are covered by the blood, powered by the word, anointed by the Holy Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.